0: You can hit infinity right in the
1: center. We are all brought to this earth for a purpose. Oftentimes, we find ourselves lost when searching for the meaning. The seven mile man will show you the way to become a better man, a better father, a better husband, a better business leader, a better employee, a better man in your community. Welcome to The 7 Mile Man. Thank you for joining us for another episode of The 7 Mile Man podcast. I am Alex. I am The 7 Mile Man. I'm your host and founder of this show. I am super excited about today's episode. I have Mr. Ryan Mickler of Order of Man Uh, The Order of Man podcast Facebook group and the Iron Council Facebook group here. He's got over 40,000 members in his private group. He's got over, I believe, 2 million downloads on his podcast now. Uh, He's been doing it for a couple of years, absolutely killing it out there. He's got a new book coming out called Sovereignty, and he's going to tell us more about that. Before we get started, guys, just a couple of quick things. The Seven Mile Man Facebook group is getting going that is the seven mile awakening we are going to get things started here and get things ramped up i need you guys to join in and become part of that conversation also if you check out www.7mileman.com you can keep up on everything that is up and coming for the seven mile man so stay tuned for more guys i hope you guys enjoy this conversation this has been kind of a long time in the making and i'm excited about it and i hope you're excited too all right, ladies and gentlemen, here is Mr. Ryan Mickler. I'm excited about this interview. It has been a long time coming. I had some scheduling issues, and uh, we had some mix-ups there with schedules, and I had a, a day where I was running crazy behind. But this is someone that I've admired for quite some time. I've followed for several years, and I'm excited about this podcast and this episode, so I hope you all are too. Um, Ryan is here to talk to us today about Order of Man His journey through everything, the Iron Council that he has as well, his podcast, and most importantly is his book coming out, which is called Sovereignty, which is the battle for the hearts and minds of men. So guys, open your ears, take out a notebook, whatever. This is going to be an awesome, awesome episode. So Ryan, welcome, man. Thank you for joining us.
0: Alex, glad to be here, man. looking forward to this and, and have been for some time now. Glad we can make it work out.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's it's just one of those things I was telling you before we got recording here. Um, it, I met Ryan at a at an event called Meltdown in the Desert. I've talked about it here on this before. Um, Ryan was a speaker there and had been following Ryan for quite some time. And one of the coolest things was walking up and saying, you know, hey, Ryan, I'm, oh, and you're, hey, Alex, happy birthday. You know, you and Wes Schaefer both were, were, you know, you remembered who I was just from following you on Facebook and uh, it happened to be my birthday today, so everyone got that little notification. Thanks, Facebook, for that, you know. and uh, <laughs> But that's just kind of the guy that Ryan is. I mean, he truly cares about the the men and the people that he connects with, the message that he has to share. And it was his message of the fact that we all have a story to share. We all have something to share of ourselves. And if we don't, we have this obligation to share that story and that purpose. And if we don't share our purpose with people, we're we're not serving other people. We're not serving ourselves as well. By doing that, and it was that message that really was the impetus behind uh, me getting this going. So, Ryan, thanks for that, man. I appreciate that. And I know you share that I, message loud and proud. Yeah, I
0: mean, I love it. I love it because you know I talk a lot about this kind of stuff, and of course, what we'll get into today, and um, thousands and thousands of people every single every single podcast and whatever we do. But what's always fascinating because the it, it, the the minority of people actually end up doing anything with that information. So com, com, I'm commending you for actually implementing what we talk about and doing the work required to have some of the success rather than just listening and listening and listening. You're actually out there listening and then applying. Yeah, thanks, man. It's been a
1: journey. And actually, I, I just joined the Iron Council myself uh, Friday. I, should say, I shouldn't say myself. My wife actually joined for me. I've been talking to her about it quite a bit. Oh, and, she did? And she actually was the one that signed me up. I was off working. On uh, a side job, and she uh, actually part of the purpose behind the side job was that I wanted to to get up the the money and the funds so that I could not take from the family fund to uh, to do the Iron Council, and she went ahead and signed me up. So, <laughs> oh,
0: that's cool, man. That's yeah. very cool. I
1: like that. Awesome, awesome group, and you know, guys out there, check out um, Order of Man and the Iron Council. You guys can check that out. But Ryan, tell us a little bit about where things started for you, because you have, I know, an incredible journey. You know the struggles that you had in your marriage and all of that. That kind of led you from where you were. You used to have a podcast that was actually about financial uh, stuff. I caught that on one of your episodes. Um, yeah. Ryan was a financial advisor uh, in a different life here, and I think you still do a bit of that, don't you?
0: Uh, I still own the financial planning practice. I don't take on any new clients at this point uh, because I am so consumed with Order Man and Iron Counsel all that we have going on. So I work with my existing clients, um, but I don't do anything other than that. Just from a time constraint perspective,
1: sure, sure, and I mean, you just shared a message the other day about about that. You had this opportunity that you know it would be one of these opportunities that you would have jumped at, and uh, for financial planning, and you took time to uh, to look at it and really say, okay, where's my purpose and where's my value and where do I feel, um, you know, where do I feel the most pull? And order of man is is an order of man and iron council is what won out for that. Your time that you've put into this, your that you found this purpose and this meaning to yourself um, and this happiness and what you do and pride in what you do outweighs that potential monetary gain from that job.
0: Well, you know, that, that too, but I also think there's a lot of guys out there who probably have very similar thoughts as me when it comes to the priorities they have and the things they want to choose. Uh, but what I've seen, and in my experience, a lot of guys will decide to pursue the safe route, or they'll pursue the money, or they'll p- pursue the, the the course of action that they've always been on. And I've noticed in my own life, the more that I separate myself, or, or, or I should say, the more that I... Uh, don't choose the thing that is actually fulfilling and uplifting to me, the more disingenuous I am with my life and the less fulfillment I have. So for anybody who's listening, like if they feel a tug in their heart or their soul or their mind or whatever to do this, whatever this may be, I think the more you can choose that route, the more fulfillment you'll find in your life.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've been there done that with, with that playing the safe route and making the safe choices and, and not making the choice that I really wanted to for, Um, you know, my happiness and my fulfillment in life, but what I felt was the responsible decision. And I think that there's something to this idea of, hey, I made the responsible choice, Um, but then you suffer for it in the long run in that everything suffers because your happiness is suffering. And if you're not happy, you're not giving out the kind of energy to the people around you and serving the people around you in a positive way when you've, you've, you've lost this kind of little piece of yourself in a way.
0: And well and what is the responsible choice? is the responsible choice really to continue down the path that you currently are? It might be but I think you owe it to yourself to question if that's true or not. I think a lot of the times we say responsible choice and what we're looking at is the short-term result or impact of that choice we make rather rather than the long-term implication of the choices or the inaction in our life. So I think you've got to understand what it is that you genuinely want, not just in the next day or week or two weeks or month, but what kind of life are you trying to establish? And then you can measure your decisions, your responsible decisions based on what's going to move you towards that objective, not get you paid today.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and it's this money in the hand today versus, um, you know, a possible larger sum of money in the hand 10 years down the road. But you got to put you got to put the work into it, and I think that's where a lot of people struggle. Is there's a safe choice, there's a, a quick and easy answer that's going to get them what they need, their immediate need at that moment, um, and they are, aren't willing to, or aren't ready to, or are too scared, or too you know too fearful. And you tackle all of these issues all of the time, and everything you talk about in Order of Man, and everything you talk about in the Iron Council, this fear of jumping out there and, and pushing and doing this work of this higher level purpose, this higher level meaning rather than just serving your immediate need.
0: Right. And there's always going to be fear. I mean, that's, that's just part of the deal. That's part of the human condition is we're designed to sense fear. Fear is an emotion that can serve you actually very well. It can keep you alive, which ultimately is what we want as human beings to continue to stay alive. Right. Absolutely. So fear is good from that perspective. But what's really interesting is this idea of fear has been evolutionary Hardwired into us uh, in order to keep us alive, but the reality is, in the times in which we live, very few things are actually going to kill us. Yeah. And so, this fear now is not necessarily life-threatening, um, but it feels like it might be. And so, that decision to go out and start a business, or ask that woman on a date, or ask for a promotion, or all of the th- or or speak in public and 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 present ourselves that way—all of these things that we are afraid of will actually push the needle, although it feels like it's the, like the biggest thing in the world. And then we have these things called cognitive distortions where we actually distort reality and we make the consequences of our decisions a lot more grand than they actually probably will be. So it's not about eliminating fear. It's just about understanding that fear is a human condition and understanding that it is trying to serve you and keep you alive and and knowing that and then making decisions and acting accordingly
1: yeah absolutely i mean we don't have dinosaurs chasing after us or bears chasing after you know whatever but we still have this ingrained condition and i believe the number is three seconds and basically this there's a there's a moment of time where you have this 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 feeling of fear and it's three seconds in which you can override your mind and decide to move forward um it might even be a little bit yeah. shorter than that, but it, it just, yeah, I don't
0: know what the time frame is, but yeah. you, you can consciously decide if you're going to allow that fear to cripple you or if you're going to continue to drive on in the face of the fear that you feel.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, take us back a little bit here, man. We got a little bit off track, I, I think, because I wanted to just give people an idea of, of how you built order of man and where it came from, because I know you were struggling personally in your marriage and, and tell us a little bit about your background and, and how order of man came to be.
0: Yeah, I mean, if we were to go back as far as we could, I, I grew up in my life without a, without a permanent father figure. My dad was out of the picture by the time I was three years old. I had a couple of stepdads come into my life who really weren't great examples of what it meant to be a man. And a lot of, this, a lot of, a lot of the problems that stem from that, not just in my life, but in any young man's life, for me didn't really manifest themselves until I was married, until I started having kids. And I, it was apparent that I had no idea what I was doing. And uh, I ended up almost losing my marriage. My wife and I went through a three, four month separation because of Simone, some of my own inadequacies in the way that I approached my life and, and the way that I responded to her and my six month old son at the time. Uh, but I really came to the conclusion that a lot of the, a lot of the faults that were in the marriage were, were my fault. And I've had a lot of people say, well, it takes two to tango and she had things too. Of course, of course, I'm not denying that. And she would also be the first to tell you and admit that, yeah, there was some things that she needed to work on. But the less that I focused on trying to improve or change or get her to behave and think differently. And the more instead that I focused on myself as a man, like what does a man do? How does a man show up? How does a man behave? How does he engage with the world around him? The more I focused on that, uh, the more that she responded positively. And, you know, long story short, we've been married for 13 years. This this year, Well, this year will actually mark our 14th year anniversary. Uh, We've got four kids. I mean, life is good. We have our challenges and things like that. But one thing I noticed on this journey to become a better man for myself is there was this really big divide, this really big disconnect between what we as men know we should be doing and then what we're actually doing. And uh, if you look around, I mean, you type in any Google search term, you'll find millions and millions of results. And we're not at a loss of information. Everybody has access to the information. And for the most part, we all know pretty well what we should be doing. But there's, again, a huge divide between what we know and what we do. So when I started this, my my main objective was to bridge that gap. How do we go from knowledge to application? And that's where the Iron Council comes from. That's the events that we do come from all designed and centered around getting men to take action not just know what to do but to challenge them to go out into life and and do actually take action in their lives and obviously we've, we've seen a lot of growth within the order of man over the past three years and I think it's a testament to the notion that men want a challenge they want to step up and they're ready to engage they just needed a place to be able to in a way have permission if yeah. you will um, a lot of society, Uh, attacks and dismisses the notion of masculinity and tries to make it something that it's not and it's misguided at best and I think destructive to society at worst. And uh, I'm I'm striving to be a champion of the cause of masculinity and why noble masculinity is needed now more than ever.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, people talk about, oh, well, chivalry, chivalry is dead and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, you know, there are certain things that we've done as a society to kill those things. You know, that Mm -hmm. we're not supposed to, you know, you're not supposed to uh, uh, expect that a woman needs the door open for her. You know, how dare you open the door for this woman because, you know, she doesn't need your help or she doesn't need your assistance. And that's just a small example but these are well, the it's kinds of things.
0: just a woman thing. I mean, th- today I was at the store and there was an elderly gentleman who got out of his car and I could tell he was struggling a little bit and I opened the door for him. Yeah. Uh, the other day there was a, a, was a high school kid. I've got a little convenience store just down the road and there was a high school kid coming in and he had stuff in his arms and I opened the door for him. He's right. like 17 year old kid. It's Like it doesn't matter if it's a woman or a kid or an elderly, you know, a, a, an adult. It doesn't matter. You just, it's just being courteous. You yeah. know, I, I think this idea of you know, people feeling like they're attacked because you open the door, or somehow that you believe they're incapable of doing it, is absolutely ridiculous. Right, and I don't think it represents the vast majority of the way people think. Anyways, it's just kind of a squeaky wheel.
1: Sure, I mean, you know, we all had to evolve as a society. I mean, certainly this isn't 1950 anymore. You know, we don't expect that our our wives are going to be, you know, in the kitchen with their, you know, their high heels on making us dinner and, you know, the kids are all tucked in and, and cleaned up and tidy and the, you know, the house is made. No, this is modern times, you know, and, and I think the family structure looks a little bit different, you know, especially with so many families forced to have two people working. Um,
0: but. Well, and even let's go, let's use that example. I mean, let's just take that. Why is that even bad? It's not bad. My right. wife's a homemaker. Sure. Now she's not in an apron and high heels or right. barefoot and pregnant, you know, I'm not, I'm not talking about that, but that's a noble calling. Yeah. You know, she, she stays at home. Uh, she does make dinner because that's what we have worked out. Uh, of course I help put the kids to bed and things like that. And there's things that of course I do around the house, but, uh, it's really interesting. This, this assault, even on, uh, on women, like, Oh, you have the only way for a woman to be valuable. If she enters the workforce, well, like who said that, right? Like that's not good or bad. If if a woman decides to do that, great. Get after it. Yeah. But if a, guys to stay at home and raise the family there's nobility in that as well oh absolutely I mean, those decisions is bad and so it's like let's find everything that we possibly can to be offended about and then like distort the reality uh, and all the facts in order to play into this like hyped up and i don't even know what the purpose is but it's absolutely <laughs> ridiculous, sensitive souls that we see just uh, it's just crazy i don't oh, even know what this
1: is. yeah every, everybody struggles yeah everybody struggles with i mean this whole idea of you know people finding their own happiness and their own path and whatever it is and that you have to be offended by it and yeah I mean a homemaker there's a no that's a noble cause to to stay at home and that's not easy work to stay at home and be a homemaker and all that and you know I give props to my wife all the time because she runs a very successful business from home homeschools the kids and really does you know as a homemaker I mean there's certain things I do I help with dinner but she cooks a whole lot better than I so you know the kids make it better when when she makes dinner um, you know, but I help put the kids to bed and do prayer and, and, and reading time and, and all of that. But, you know, there's nothing wrong with staying at home and being, you know, being a homemaker. There's nothing wrong with going out in the workforce and, and you know, coming home at five and then, you know, still having, guess what? Someone still has to be the homemaker between the two of you. You both have to kind of be the homemaker. So even if you go to work, someone's still got to come home and cook dinner and clean house and, and all of that stuff. That all still has to happen. And I don't think that there's anything Wrong in any of that, and yeah, it, like you said, I mean, people are always finding something to be offended about. I mean, it's like a, a new pastime for everybody, um, you know. It, and I, I'm one of my favorite stand-up comedians. This guy um, is talking about uh, being offended. He said, "What happens when you're offended?" He said, "Nothing happens when you're offended." You know, so what? You're offended. Good for you. And
0: that's it. Right. You know, that's that's what it is. Okay, so you're offended. Congratulations. That's your choice. And that's it. It's not really that uh, that big a deal. It's not as big a deal that people make it out to be, definitely.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So now Order of Man's been going for about two years now, correct?
0: Uh, almost three. Almost three. We years. started in March of 2015, so we're awesome. coming up on three years. Okay.
1: Yeah, so almost three years, and you guys are up to 40,000, like 300-something or 400-something. You guys are over 40,000 members, creeping up towards 41,000 members. Um, the Iron Council is... Uh, I just looked at that number the other day. It's what about 175 strong now? Oh no,
0: no. I'm oh, sorry. The Iron three, Council three. Has yeah, about 350 people. Yeah, in three. It.
1: Yeah, 350. I was thinking, yeah. Um, but yeah, 350 <clears> people <throat> in the Iron Council. That's an incredible group. Um, and I mean, what you've grown. You know, I. You know, I'm in kind of this ground floor position where I've got a a, a closed group that I'm working on building, and and literally, I think there's 50 people in there, and half of them are my friends, and, you know, and uh, it's, it's just, it's crazy to look at one end of the spectrum and this other end of the spectrum of, of, of over 40,000 people in the group and what it's grown. And the thing to me that you've done is just this honesty and the sharing of yourself in a way that's just so authentic that people are drawn to you and your message. And I mean, I, I don't think there's, obviously there's intention behind being authentic, but it's not a front. It's not a game. And I think that people, if they listen to your podcast and, uh, I wanted to make a point earlier about your podcast, all of what you share about your message, your your the way you grew up, um, you know the father not your father not being around and the stepfathers that were not great to be around. Um, you share all of this in the podcast and you get in deep with some of your your guests uh, discussing it. The, the gentleman was talking about fatherhood. I can't think of his name now. I know uh, the Irish the Scottish accent there.
0: Oh yeah, you're talking about uh, Gary John Bishop. Yeah, Gary
1: John Bishop. That was an incredible conversation with him and you know but that that message that you share with people and that authenticity, um, you know, what made you decide to just I'm gonna just let it out, I'm gonna let it go.
0: Well, I mean, you look around in in social media in general, and, and just society in general, and every single one of us is putting on a front, uh, and it's it's too bad. You know, we we we've got the symptom of keeping up with the Joneses, and. And I think this actually leads to probably a lot of depression that we see as well as we look around and we see these people performing and we see how wonderful their lives are and all the vacations they're going on and the beautiful women they're with. And, you know, they're always in the gym and they're always eating clean. And we see all like all this stuff. And and then we're like, well, that's not my life. And so we start comparing ourselves to that and we feel horrible. And, And then we have no way to connect with people like this. And that's what it's about for me. It's about connection. I mean, if, even if you think about the name of our organization, Order of Man, when I think of order, I think of fraternity, brotherhood, society, tribe, organization, whatever term you want to use, but it's inclusive, not exclusive. Yeah. And so my goal has always been to be relatable, to be somebody who's not at the pinnacle of his masculine journey, but somebody who's on the same journey as you. And in order to do that, I have to be real about where it is I am. And there's some things, quite honestly, that I do very, very well and I've got figured out. And there's some other things where I fall short and I'm struggling and I'm working on. And the more that I can be real about that, the more that it gives permission for guys to understand and recognize that they're going through those things, too. And it's okay. Like, it's okay. We all have things that we need to work on. We all have things that we need to improve on. Nobody's perfect. Uh, So let's not pretend that's the case. Let's share it all. And then collectively, together, we're better off when we're true and real with each other.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think, I mean, you're dead on with that. It's just this this idea of, um, you know, keeping up with the Joneses and the depression that that causes and, and looking at everybody else's life and not being able to be happy with our own life, not being able to happy with, you know, the circumstance that you're in. And, you know, uh, talking about shifts of perspective, if you look at some of the worst times in your life, if you're able to frame that in a way that's like, okay, I'm going through this because this is going to make my highs feel a whole lot higher. This is going to make, you know, that next moment feel a whole lot better than this moment right now. And choosing to 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 take that perspective of, of happiness and being honest and real with yourself about who you are and, and where you're going, um, yeah, I mean, you have been absolutely relatable. Um, you know, I know where I struggle and you said earlier too. Um, about <laughs> it was it was kind of hit hard. It hit home for me. But um, you know what you were saying earlier was that you know you had this opportunity um, where you saw this gap between here's what I know I need to do and here's what I'm doing this execution of it. And I mean, man, I've known forever you know some of the things I need to do. And it's always just trying to close that gap up a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. And I, and I know that gap's going to continue to kind of get away from me as I learn more about what I need to do and and learn some of these other things. But, yeah, we have this opportunity that we can just get to work and do the work. I know Jocko's one of your favorites. You've had him on your show a couple times, Jocko Willenick. And, I mean, what's he always say?
0: You know, get after it. Right. You know? Yeah, just get out there and do it. And one of the things along that subject as well is I think a lot of us strive for some destination, right? Like there's some final destination. When I'm this level of fitness, then I'll be happy. When I have this relationship, then life will be good. When I make X amount of dollars, then things will be perfect. And because we're not there, uh, that gap between, again, where we are now and where we want to be is a little disheartening. And the concept that I've taken that I think is the the better approach rather than final destination type thinking is mastery. And and if you think about what mastery is, it's actually a really interesting term, the master. Well, what defines a master? Like what defines a masterful podcaster? What defines a masterful woodworker or a masterful mechanic or a masterful father or husband? It's a really interesting term because it's loosely defined. It's hard to define. And it's all relative. And because it's relative, when we start thinking about the journey of mastery, it gives us permission to experiment along the way and know that we're not destined for some final destination, but that we're on a journey to become better than we were yesterday. Yeah, And that little frame of reference for me that I'm not trying to strive for perfection, but rather mastery has allowed me and given me permission to, you know what, man, I messed up today in X, Y, and Z. I really want to improve. And so how will I be better tomorrow? Not against the world, but against myself. Yep. And that level of mastery and striving for that has made all the difference in my life.
1: Well, it's working to just be a little bit better the next day, you know, a little bit better and a little bit better. And you know what you say about mastery is the thing about mastery is it takes practice. And you know, that's that's kind of the point. It's getting after it and doing the work and putting in the work and making the mistakes but learning from those mistakes as well. Um, definitely. You know, and I've said that I've said before that there are three types of people. There's there's smart people, there's dumb people and there's wise people. You know, dumb people don't learn from any mistakes theirs or anybody else's. Smart people learn from their mistakes and wise people learn from their mistakes and the mistakes of others. Sure. And you could you could roll that in and go ahead and say the the successes of other people as well. But um, You know, absolutely. I mean, I think that the wisest people are those that can look at what they're doing and what other people are doing and learn from those mistakes and learn from those successes. I know that you've got an an incredible network of people. I can't imagine the amount of knowledge that you have amassed, not only from reading just the books you wanted to read, but. The books that you had for podcasts coming up. So yes, you wanted to read them because you like these people and you wanted them to be in your network and you wanted to get ready. But you know, you're on this point. Like, okay, I got this podcast coming up. I gotta get this book read, so I'm ready. And and and
0: (laughs) I've got I've got one right now. In fact, somebody just sent me one, and I don't know who it is. You just sent it to me in the mail, and it's about it's about um, prostate cancer, which is something that I never would have probably picked up a book on. Right. But it's actually. It's actually kind of interesting. I'm like, this actually might be a good subject to talk about especially yeah. for men.
1: Well, yeah, I mean it's and that's one of those issues that are out there for men <laughs> that no one no man wants to talk about, especially the uh the tests that come along with checking for that. Uh yes. yeah. <laughs> not a,
0: not a pleasurable experience,
1: <laughs> certainly not. But I mean the amount of the amount of knowledge you've amassed just from reaching out to your network and being part of that network. You know, I know you listen to Jocko frequently. Um I, I know you listen to yourself frequently and I think that's important too, is that you go back and you listen to these podcasts and these interviews that you've had with these men and and these conversations you've had with these men, the amount of knowledge you must be amassing from that. And I think that's what works towards mastery, is inputting knowledge, successes, failures, and just putting in this work of, I mean, cracking open those books and reading those words and absorbing that knowledge and that information. I mean, listening to you talk to the guy about uh, mind hacking people, Um, Mm. you know, I, you said, you know, this book is really technical, you know, you were getting into that book and, and, I mean, but that's a subject that you didn't know anything about before. And that we have that opportunity from what you do, you have that opportunity to, to like, okay, I know nothing about this subject, but I really want to talk to this guy and I want to hear it. And, uh, I mean, it was incredible that that conversation you had with him was absolutely incredible. And the things that, that he's done as well, um, with, with that, that talent and that skill, if you will but yeah um, I, I want to get I want to get to talking about your your book here um,
0: okay
1: I know that you you dedicated yourself to do a thousand words a day at least um, mm-hmm. uh, sometimes 2,000 and then uh, if you were punishing yourself would you go and if you missed a day would you go ahead and punish yourself and double up the next day or uh,
0: well, that's part of the reason I had to go to 2000. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if, I would, if I would have just stuck to a thousand words every day, like I committed to doing, and like I told myself I would do, then I wouldn't have had to go to 2000. Yeah. So yeah, the answer is yeah. You know, if you, if you fall behind, you can compound the problem and continue to fall behind or say, you know, I, I use the same thing when it comes to diet. For example, a lot of people say, well, you know, I had, I had lunch and it was Burger King and it wasn't the best for me. So like I threw away my whole day. So I might as well eat like shit the rest of the day. It's like, well, no, you know, you still have a decision and, 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 and a choice in the matter. Right. But, uh, yeah, so you can compound the problem and you can allow that thing to fester and grow and make it worse. Or you can just say, you know what? Yeah, I messed up. Let me make up for it. How we make up for it? You rectify the situation. Right. So if I missed writing, I rectify it by catching up on the day of writing. Yeah. And, uh, and it served me very well, you know, 60,000 plus words in a matter of 60 days. So it's just, just what you do, man. It was, was... It, was a, it was a process and it was hard, but it was, man, I learned a lot about myself and the writing process and how much more we're capable of than we give ourselves credit for a lot of the times. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I mean, and now this was your first time writing a book, um, that I understand here, you kind of, yeah. yeah, yeah. And so, uh, you know, I just think that this was probably the next logical step in your journey. Um, you know, not everybody chooses to write a book. I think 1% of the population writes a book um, is what the number is on that. But what made you decide to, to write, write this book? I mean, you've already got your message out there. You've got um, something new came to you here. What was it that, that was kind of the push for you?
0: I think there's really two main reasons for me in writing a book. Number one, uh, I, I just think it's a new platform, a new medium to reach people in a way that I haven't reached before. So we've got the podcast and the website and we do events and we've got social media and all of these different outlets, video through YouTube. And I thought the book would be just another avenue to expand the message of the order of man and what we're trying to accomplish. And it would probably reach people either in a different way or entirely different people that would never be exposed to our work any other way. So that's number one. Uh, Number two, I really didn't want to write the book, but I felt like it was a message that needed to be shared. And also, it presented itself as a challenge that I could learn, grow, and expand from. Uh, I don't particularly enjoy writing. Uh, It's not my strong suit, but going through that process really helped me understand a lot about myself. It helped me to gain new perspectives, gain new knowledge and a new skill set that I did not previously possess. Uh, And it was an opportunity for me to, and and I found this out in going through the process is to condense my message into a coherent thought (laughs) in the book. And I learned a lot about even what I'm sharing. And I challenged a lot of the assumptions that I had made even a year ago. So it was, it was really enlightening for me and a a really cool process to go through. And I feel like I felt a lot, I felt like I learned a lot about, um, who I was and the message that I'm trying to deliver to the world.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, now it's called, it's called sovereignty battle for the hearts and minds of men, correct? Yes. Okay. I want to make sure I'm saying it correctly here, but, um, I haven't had a chance to get my hands on it yet because it comes out February first. So, guys, be on the lookout for that. You guys, you're gonna have that on Amazon, I assume, and it um, Barnes yep. and Noble or just Amazon for uh, now.
0: eventually. Yeah. So, what I did is I uh, I really collapsed the time frame that we had to complete this book. Uh, I gave myself three months, and usually, when you look at a traditional publishing schedule, you're you're talking about at least at least six to nine months, if not longer. Yeah um i i felt like if i pushed it out that long i would drag my feet and not really do it and i'm like no you know what three months we're doing this i'm getting it going and we hope hopefully we pull it off i've been telling everybody february 1st and it's man we're coming right to that down to the wire but uh i think i think we're good i think we'll get there um which is why you don't have a copy of the book because frankly it's just not available right yeah (laughs) Now, I know <laughs> but, you, you've yeah. done
1: all the audio recordings for it pretty much at this point, correct? So it'll be on I Audible did. as well.
0: Same thing, man. I was like, all right, we got to get this done. I took, uh, I took two days and cranked out 60,000 words in, in two days, which <laughs> I lost my voice and it was a challenge. And I was like sleeping while I'm writing or re- recording and it. But it was good. It was a good experience as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, and it, you know, I think it's cool to be able to have it voiced by the person that wrote the book. I know a lot of times the person who writes else? the book doesn't, uh, doesn't do the voicing of the book. Well, you know, I mean, that's, I think that's kind of part of the, the package of what you are is, you know, you're the podcast, you've got the, the speaking that you do. Um, you guys have a, you have an event coming up in Nashville, Tennessee. That's January 20th, 26th and 27th. 26th and 27th. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that's in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, the meetup there. This, um that that would be incredible actually i i looked it's only like a six and a half what is it six and a half hour drive for me so, oh, so
0: you're fairly close i'm
1: fairly close i mean relatively speaking i mean i've done worse for sure um i thought about it uh it's hard to escape when you got four kids you know how it is it's hard to escape sometimes yeah.
0: um, i know i know how it goes
1: definitely yeah we've got four here as well so it gets it gets tough sometimes and and uh yeah. But yeah, no, I mean, so you guys, you, it's part of your whole package. So I think for you to go ahead and read the book and voice the book, I think was kind of an important thing. I mean, I don't know if you put a lot of thought in behind that, but I think it, it kind of goes with who you are and, and what your message is.
0: Well, I mean, there's that and let's be, let's be honest about it too. I mean, there's the cost of hiring somebody else. So sure. that's an issue. Yeah. And then there's the time frame of hiring somebody else as well. It's like, man, if I want this done, I've got to get on the mic and record for, yeah. two, for two days straight. Yeah. And so there was, yes, I wanted, to, I wanted to record it, but then there was also the practicality of being able to record it in order to get it out on time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, no
1: one ever reads things the way that you meant to write them, I think, you know? Uh, yeah. yeah, that's true. Uh, I had written this poem one time after a friend of mine in high school, he got into a car accident and he died. And I wrote this this poem after his death and, and kind of shared it with the school and his mom wanted it for uh, the memorial. And I remember someone got up and they read the poem and for me because I didn't want to go up. I, I didn't have the strength to do that at that time. And I remember when he read it, my only thought was, I should have read it. Like he just, right. he, he didn't read it the way it was meant to be read. Right. <laughs> and right. But yeah, I think there's something to that have message. Have you read it since in I, public? I haven't read it since in public. You know, um, I'm still in touch with my friend's mom. She actually still has a copy of the poem. A handwritten copy of the poem and and a framed picture with her son, um, so that's kind of meaningful and powerful to me. But um, yeah, I haven't I haven't read it since. Um, out, certainly in public, I mean, I haven't done that. But uh, I, I've I've read it to myself <laughs> before. I've got it somewhere kicking around still. Um, sure. But you know, the other thing that I want to get into here briefly, um, you know, Seven Mile Man, the 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 idea behind Seven Mile Man. Um, it's kind of a nod to Jesus' walk to Emmaus, where he went seven miles in the wrong direction to serve just a small number of people when he was supposed to be revealing himself to a large number of people. And I really feel that you personify what it is to be a seven-mile man, someone who goes out of their way to be of service to other people. How does how does faith really play a role in what you do? I, I know that you're a man of faith. I know that it doesn't come into your business as 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 much. I mean, I know you don't talk about it a whole lot in order of man, your, your personal, uh, beliefs, but how does your faith play a role in your business?
0: It's a really good question. It's an interesting question. I think quite honestly, my eternal perspective on the reason that we're here and the reason that we're doing the things that we're doing and have the callings that we have, uh, allows me to make, or at least gives me a benchmark and a framework for the way that I judge my decisions. And quite honestly, like, that's the reason I'm here. Like my, my job is to help other people with the knowledge, the skills, the tools, the gifts, the blessings, the abilities that I have. And if I'm not serving other people with those gifts, then I'm slapping, you know, our creator in the face because he's the one who's bestowed me with those gifts. And so I feel like we have a, a moral and ethical obligation to share our talents with the world so they can benefit from it as well. Uh, So I do try to look at what I'm doing in my family and my community and with the business from the perspective that what I do will have an impact regardless of if I want it to or not, it will have an impact. So it can be a positive impact that serves and uplifts and edifies people, or it can be a negative impact that pushes people down and belittles people and makes them feel stupid or ridiculous or insignificant. And I choose the former. Yeah, Uh, that's my, that's my, that's my perspective, uh, my eternal perspective when it comes to faith and and how it plays into what I'm doing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, and that's kind of the, the point behind, you know, what I say with, with seven mile man is that, we can grow ourselves through serving others and by being of service to other people, we can grow ourselves. And like I said, that's kind of where my message came from was what you just said there. We have a moral obligation uh, and you know, a moral obligation to share our, our purpose with people and share mm-hmm. our story with people. Um, and like I said, that was kind of one of the impetuses behind where seven mile man came from. um, was right there. Uh, exactly what you said in that message is we have a moral obligation to to impact people, to to be of service to other people, and it's a way of growing ourselves, and growing those around us. I mean, don't we don't we serve ourselves by empowering the people around
0: us? Yeah, of course. Yeah. That's that's exactly right. The other side of it too is you do have to, you do have to take care of yourself, and so you don't want to lose the responsibility and obligation of serving others. At the expense of taking care of yourself. And I think that's a really, really important distinction for me to make, especially when it comes to men, because most of the men who are listening to this, and and women, it's, it's both. Most of the people listening to this, they want to be supportive. They want to help. They want to provide. They want to do things for other people. They want to be good people. And that's great. And that's noble. But unless you're able to take care of yourself, it's going to be... A very short period of time before you burn out and you're not able to serve other people. So I yep. look at my obligation to take care of myself just as seriously as I take as I look at my obligation to take care of the people I have responsibility mm-hmm. and obligation for.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, we have to come first in serving ourselves um, to make sure that our basic needs are met and taken care of. Uh, you're probably reading the same message I just read there on Slack. Uh, <laughs> Oh, I didn't didn't see it. I (laughs) I thought something just popped up for you there too. Um, But yeah, we have that. We have to take care of ourselves first. We have to meet our own, you know, needs and put ourselves in the right space in order to be able to serve other people. But um, you know, I know we're running a little short on time here, man. I like to keep things kind of right around forty-five minutes. Um, But I have a couple more questions. As you can tell, formatting-wise, things run pretty similar to uh, what you did. Um, I've got one question that I've been asking everybody and that is, what does service mean to you?
0: Uh, hmm, good question. I think service is recognizing what other people need in their lives and then providing that if you can. And I think the, uh, the most important word of that is recognition. I'll give you an example. I know a lot of the times in my own life, uh, I'll, I'll ask my wife, like, how can I help you? And quite honestly, that's a cop out. You know, like if if you're asking people how you can help, I don't know if your heart is really in the thing that you're actually saying. I think you're probably – and I say this because this is what I'm doing. Uh, I think for the most part we're probably trying to appear helpful but not actually be helpful. (laughs) And so I think service is a recognition first and foremost without prompting is just recognizing, hey, here's something that Alex needs help with. Here's something my wife needs help with. Here's something that I recognize in my kid, you know, my son, he's having a bad day at school. I recognize that. And then most importantly, acting upon what you recognize uh, in order to lift people up in order to help them on their own personal journey, just as much as you'd want to be helped on yours. And
1: yeah, I mean, guilty of that. You know, my wife and I were having a a, no, just my, my wife and I were having a disagreement the other day. And, you know, she said, I'm I'm struggling here. I need some help. And this is when I was sick, and you know, she said I've been sending all these messages out. And I said, well, you know, well, hold on a second. I said, you know, I I got up, and you said, you know, I tried to help you with something, and you said, uh, you know, don't, that's okay. You're sick. Lay down. And but there was, I had this lack of recognition of yes, I was sick, and I and I needed to rest because I was having a hard time even standing up without puking and and all of that. But she needed help too at the and that and that moment and. It wasn't up to her to say, "Hey, I need you to help me right now, and this is what I need from you." It was up to me to recognize that, you know, she needed the help in this area or that area, and just provide it. So. Yes. Yeah.
0: Definitely. Definitely. Don't I, I, a- don't ask how you can help. Just recognize how you can help and yeah. and do it.
1: Yeah, I, I love your definition of service there. Absolutely. Um, and then obviously, guys, I we've talked a lot about. Um, different ways that you can get in touch with Ryan. But Ryan, what's the best way? What's the best route for people um, to find out more about what you do? I mean, obviously, there's the podcast and website is probably the best place to go to.
0: Yeah, I mean, the website's our headquarters, So orderofman.com, you can find everything we're doing there. You're listening to a podcast, so you probably like podcasts. So if you just search for Order of Man, wherever you listen to your podcast, you'll find our podcast there. And I think between those two resources, you'll find out just about everything that we've We've been up to and what we will continue to be up to.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've mentioned your podcast uh, a couple different times on my own. So, uh, yeah, oh, we'll we'll, we'll man, link man. up. We'll link up theorderofman.com and link up the Order of Man podcast for you guys. But certainly check it out. And for the gentlemen out there, you know, if you're looking for something that's going to challenge you, and I, I think that the real thing here is we all know the things that we need to do. Um, but what Ryan's got going on with the Iron Council is an opportunity for you to close that gap between what you need to do, knowing what you need to do and doing what you need to do. Um, so you guys should check that out as well. I mean, I've been in there about five days and I've enjoyed, enjoyed the process of, of kind of getting through the the, the work in there um, and enjoyed the message of there as well. So you guys should check that out as well. Um, and then coming up, guys, you can see on his orderofman.com page, you'll find that. Um, but coming out will be the book. Again, the title of that is Sovereignty, The Battle for the Hearts and Minds of Men. So check that out. It's gonna be incredible. Uh, I should have had you read probably a little excerpt from that, but you're probably sick of reading it. Uh, but I think you've got a you've got an excerpt on your on your personal page there as well. Um, but guys. Yeah, if you go yeah. to
0: orderofman.com slash book, you can actually download the introductory chapter for free. So cool. if somebody's interested in that, they can do it there.
1: Yeah. But yeah, I just I mean, incredible, incredible book. If you guys want to get a taste of it, go to orderofman.com backslash book. And you'll uh, you'll get a, a taste the introductory uh, chapter there and get a taste of what that book is about. So, but Ryan, I just want to uh, thank you for how you show up and and the the lighthouse that you are and the message that you share um, and and being you know what I consider to be a seven mile man. Um, so, and I, I appreciate the way you show up, brother.
0: Thanks, man. I appreciate that. And of course, appreciate the opportunity to come on and talk with you and your listeners.
1: Oh, thanks, man. It's it's been an it's been an honor to have you on for sure. I mean, that's just it's something I've been I've been I've been wanting to do for a while. And uh, you guys, if you if you have something that you want to do and you're not sure if you're <clears throat> going to be able to do it or uh, you want something from somebody, ask. Uh, you know, Ryan, how did I get you on this podcast? Yeah,
0: same thing. I, I asked. Nice ask I, you know,
1: I, I told him flat out. Said, listen, I don't have a lot of I don't have a lot of audience yet, um, but I just I, I want to bring you on, man, and, and would you be willing to hop on? So if you, if you want something, guys, you got to ask for it. That's the way it works. Sure. The answers always no if for you sure. don't if you don't ask. So Ryan, again, thank you so much for joining us, man. You bet. Thank you. So there you have it, guys. That was Mr. Ryan Mickler. What an incredible conversation. Uh, just so much value to add to the space of masculinity, of his purpose, of what he's striving for, and what he wants to do to help men become better men. Uh, Ryan says, protect, preserve, preside. I cannot wait until his book comes out. You guys should grab it. Uh, It'll be in stores coming in February, like he said here. And I just hope you guys enjoyed the conversation. And this is what I'm setting out to do here is to bring together a group of people, a network of people who can share the value in their own space and their own purpose and share where they come from and how they can help better you as well as themselves and how they can serve you and serve yourself. So, until next time, serve, preserve, prevail, the righteous man takes the path of resistance.